case you uh, may have been able to pick it up from the different songs that were selected, my subject this morning is Lift Jesus Higher. Last week, we looked at the beginning of a conversation, an encounter between Jesus and a highly respected religious leader known as Nicodemus. He came to Jesus in a very respectful and complimentary manner as we looked at. He acknowledged that the things that Jesus was doing could only be done if it were being done by someone with whom God was with. So there was this already acknowledgement that there was something special about Jesus. Yet, if you remember from the conversation in the beginning part of it, before Jesus replies, Nicodemus didn't ask any questions yet. He just simply came to Jesus by night and was basically being complimentary. And in reply to the compliments, Jesus replies with John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Which that whole concept, that whole idea, just throws Nicodemus for a loop. He clearly looked at the information that Jesus was giving him, the concept of being born again, in a literal fashion, which explains his responses as far as how can I go back into my mother's womb? How can I become born once I'm old? But Jesus was not referring to a, spirit, a, a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. And he even marveled that Nicodemus wasn't able to grasp this concept, even though there are three Old Testament prophets that talk about the concept of rebirth or regeneration. And the last thing we looked at last week was Jesus comparing this spiritual experience of being born again to wind, that it is a work of the Spirit. You can't work it up, you can't control it, and you can't contain it. When God's Spirit moves, you might as well either join in or get out of the way. Jesus must have seen something in this Pharisee's face to make it clear he still wasn't getting the concept of whom he was with and what Jesus was, was trying to do. He was still lost. So now Jesus, in the passage we're going to read today, turns to a story that had to be completely familiar to Nicodemus. John chapter 3, I'll begin reading in verse number 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because, of their, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever loves the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that they may have done, that that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Focusing on the first verse we read, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What in the world is Jesus referring to about a snake in the wilderness? This goes back to an Old Testament encounter and story 
with the people of Israel in the wilderness and Moses back in Numbers chapter 21. So let's go there right now. Numbers 21, and I'll begin reading in verse number 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. God delivered the people of Israel from bondage within Egypt. As they were traveling through the wilderness, there was not a lot of food that they could get or find. So he, mir- he miraculously provided manna, or food from heaven, to sustain them in the wilderness. But as the journey continued, they grew impatient of being in the wilderness. They grew impatient of not having reached their destination, and they grew impatient of God's provision. We're tired of this manna. The same thing every day. Manna, manna, manna. And they expressed their impatience. Now, some today will call this healthy self-expression. Nope. God called it rebellion and ingratitude. And God responded. And how he responded in this case was he sent these venomous snakes. And the snakes bit the people and many died. Now, I don't know about you. But for me, other than maybe heights, there are few things worse than being surrounded by a bunch of snakes. I, I, I've watched all those Indiana Jones movies, and when he's in the pit with those snakes, I'm like, better you than me, pal. That can't be fun. Yet we all know people who, even when presented with this, wouldn't change. They are that stubborn. Fortunately, Israel was not. Numbers 21, I'll pick it up in verse number 7. Then people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten and can look at it, who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at it, at the bronze snake, they lived. Now I really want to break down the tone here, especially as it appears in Hebrew. Usually in Hebrew, when God does something for the whole nation and the whole nation responds, the writers will, will specifically say the nation responded or everyone responded or all did this or all did that. The tone becomes clear, especially in Hebrew. But by saying that when anyone who was bitten by the snake looked at it and can be healed, the clear sense from the original language is that those who looked at the snake were healed, but some didn't. Some didn't look at the snake. Why would people not? Why would someone reject a cure that was in your midst proving to be 100% effective? 
The idea that surrounded, that, that even being surrounded by death, by being surrounded by the sight of death, being surrounded by the sounds of the agony of death, there were still some who were so rebellious they would not look at the bronze serpent that had been provided by the Lord as the cure to their ills. Gee, just seems to me that many people feel that way today. They want to insist that there are many ways to God. Why don't you, why would you have to be so biased? Why would God have to be so exclusive to insist that Jesus is the only way? How could a loving God reject someone who was just trying their best, doing it their own way, to come to him? People would still insist that they can make this up on their own and get to God their own way. The point that Jesus was making to Nicodemus was that Jesus was the answer. Just as the only hope the people of Israel had to avoid dying from this disease was to look at the bronze serpent, the only hope mankind has for avoiding the pain of eternity away from God is to look to the cross and believe in Jesus. He is the cure. For all life, because the, the problem we have is sin, which is separation from God. Making our own way is what created the problem. If you recall from the Garden of Eden, God gave explicit instructions, and Eve decided, I'll do this my own way. That is the context. That is the surrounding idea when then John gives us what is probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. We see it on all kinds of plaques. We see it on all kinds of t-shirts. We see it even at football games. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We had a problem we could not solve. We had a sickness we could not recover from on our own. We had an injury that we could not heal. And the only answer is Jesus. The way that answer would be delivered was by him being lifted up on a cross. And whoever believes in him and him only will have eternal life. And yet there are people who will still insist today that God is not being fair. They insist that they should be able to come to God their own way. Many misinterpret. John 3.16, and say it, see, it says, God loved the whole world, yes, and he gave his only son to fix the problem, yes, so that means I'm good, I can do life any way I want, no, God would never be, and, 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 and many say, God would never be so narrow-minded and exclusive to require Christ alone, yes, John 3.16 says, God loves the whole world, Finish the verse that whoever believes in him, not just someone who tries hard. It doesn't say someone who gives it their best shot. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, the Greek word there for believe is truly something more than just mental assent or acknowledgement. It can be literally translated and persuaded to entrust my whole life. Have complete and total confidence in what you're believing in. There are many, many people in this world who are sincere, 
good people who believe in something else and they are genuine and they are passionate and they have this genuine sincerity about what they believe in. Having passion and genuine sincerity is not enough if you're believing in the wrong thing. You need to believe in Jesus. Pastor, you're being narrow-minded. Call me what you want to call me. Again, I didn't write it. God did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish. But I don't want to perish, but I want to do things my own way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish. But that's not fair. Let me read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that belief is not simple mental acknowledgement. It's where your life is completely dedicated to him. So the Bible is clear that God loves the world. He loves everybody. So much that he gave us Jesus to heal our disease. And yet we live in a culture that insists, I want to do things my own way. I will figure this out. And I'm, since I'm going to be sincere and wholeheartedly giving myself to whatever plan I put together, I'm confident that God's going to accept it. Hmm. I don't know what Bible you're reading. But the one I read says that you need to believe in him. It was Jesus who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So think with me for a minute, because some are still going to insist, that's not fair. I want to be able to do things my own way. Why should there only be one way? I hear that a lot. Think with me. Just suppose. Let's let our imaginations extend a little bit. Just suppose that there actually is a God in heaven. Suppose that he created everything. Suppose he created human beings and gave them everything. Soon after he gave them everything, we ruined it. By doing the one thing he said not to. I know we're all going to get to heaven one day and turn to Eve and said, you had one job. Don't eat of the tree. Then we're going to turn to Adam and say, you had one job. But they ruined it. And suppose even in the face of them ruining it, God said, I will provide an escape from the judgment your actions have brought. And then suppose later that God called someone named Abraham out of a pagan way of life to be the father of a great nation that would bless all peoples. But this nation would repeatedly rebel and not do as they were told. And suppose then God sent prophets to all of this nation so that they would be able to turn back to him and show them how they were drifting from him. And then suppose that in some cases, the people wouldn't believe these prophets and they would even kill them. And suppose God says, you know what? The prophets aren't working. I'm going to send my only son to demonstrate my complete and total love for these people. And his son son comes and performs marvelous wonders, tremendous signs, and people still reject him and he's crucified. 
But God says, believe in my son and you will not face eternal life. You will have eternal joy with me. Believe in Jesus, then eternally all pain, all tears, all sorrow will be swept away. And let's say God does all that. Just suppose with me. And people will still turn to him and say, you haven't done enough. And the world turns away. There are some who are still in the face of all that God has done are going to say, Why is there only one way? Seems to me the better question is, why is there even one way? Given how all we have done to turn away from God and try and figure this out on our own. The answer, because God so loved the world. That's why there's a way at all. Because God loves people so much that he gave his son. He doesn't love the world enough to ignore them. Or ignore the things that we do. But he sees the pit that we're digging and he gave us Jesus. Regardless of how people see him. He didn't come to condemn the world. I love that verse that follows John 3.16. He came so that through him and no other way the world would be saved. The world today is in many ways, like the people of Israel back in the wilderness. We're trying to figure this out on our own. And in pain from the bite of sin and then complaining about the remedy. Now, many of us have faced different illnesses. At the beginning of this year, I went through something myself. And when I was going through what I was going through, and the doctor said, you need to do this, It would have been complete and total foolishness for me to say, I don't want to do that. I want to do this my way. He came and told me, at least for the next month or so, no carbs. But doc, that means no sugar. That means no ice cream. That means no, do you understand I'm Hispanic? That means no rice. There was a clear path to my getting better, and it would have been the height of foolishness to argue with the remedy. And that's what our world does today. And that's what even many in the church do today. God's word provides the remedy for many of the things we go through, and we sit there and try and figure out, how can I modify the recipe? I have some advice for everyone. How about doing things God's way? And only his way. But as we see in the verses we read, part of, especially for the church, doing things God's way is not being a group of people who condemn. Because he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Oh, the world had plenty to condemn. But that's not why he came. Just as Israel had to look at that serpent on that pole. So that serpent on that pole. You know, I don't want to look at that pole. I want to look at this pole. And that serpent's not the right color. I want to make it this color. How about doing things God's way? You know, I'll follow Jesus, but I want to kind of do it differently. All those verses that talk about sin, I want to take them out. That's not why he came. He came to rescue us from the thing you want to ignore. All people need to embrace Jesus. And all people need to follow Jesus. 
Just as Israel had to look at that serpent on that pole, we need to look at that Jesus. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. And it says clearly he didn't have to. By refusing him, the world is condemned already. Verse number 18. And why are they condemned? And he goes on to say, because they prefer darkness to light. They prefer lies to truth. Because they would rather wallow in their own ways than look for the way. And mainly because if they had come to the light, deeds would be exposed. They'd have to then do something most people in today's world aren't willing to do. And that's humble themselves. But coming to the light brings light to you. Aren't you glad Jesus brought light into your life? To your mind, to your heart, to your life. And if you remember at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, he says that Jesus is the light of the world, the light of all mankind. People prefer darkness. Light represents exposure. Light requires humility. Regardless of how this world frames it, the message is good news to a world of snake-bitten people that Jesus came. We were infected by a poison that was deep in our souls. But if we look to Jesus, just as the people of Israel who were healed looked at that serpent on that pole, and they were healed. This is our truth. This is what we believe. You know, I don't make a habit of talking about what goes on in the world because I'd rather talk about what's going on in the Bible. And that's kind of just who I am. But it's real difficult to ignore what our culture has turned the month of June into. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to be direct but careful. There are so many things about what goes on in this month that have become identifying. And yet the reality is the core issue is not what we see on the surface. The core issue is not the insistence that this way is okay or that method of sexuality should be normalized or we shouldn't look this way or that. That's not the core issue. That's the, the symptom that rises to the top. The core issue is people trying to do things their own way. And Jesus is saying, no, you have to do things my way. You know, I've seen many on social media in a counter to the definition of, quote unquote, Pride Month. will post a picture of the American flag and say, this is my pride flag. Truth is. The cross behind me is my, is my pride flag. Because that's my identity. That's who I am. I am a believer in Jesus. And anyone who believes in Jesus on, in any country, anywhere on this planet, will have eternal life and not perish. Everyone else has an issue. And again, I didn't write it, but I'm going to put my life to it. Now, many will say, I have a, I do believe. I have a strong faith. But it's not in Jesus. Having a strong faith isn't enough if it's in the wrong thing. It needs to be in Jesus. 
You don't get bonus points for having a strong faith in a lie. And much of what happens during this month and then extends has become a lie. It's gotten to the point with this particular definition of pride. It's become what was just a decade ago, this fringe activity by an outerlying group. It's now become for our entire nation almost akin to a religious holiday. Almost to the point that you can liken it to Passover. Because unless, as an organization, or even as individuals, unless you show your support, unless you show your embracing of it, then the anger of the social media cloud will not pass over you. Well, I'm going to make it clear. First of all, the rainbow doesn't mean what our culture says it means. It was a promise from God. And in fact, the rainbow being given to Noah as a sign that God would not destroy the earth the same way again, they should be pretty, pretty fortunate because every June we give him many, many reasons to kind of wipe us all out. But no, I don't care what comes my way. I don't care, well, aren't you going to wear this pin? No. Aren't you going to put this flag on your home? No. Aren't you going to sign this? No. Am I going to disrespect people who think differently than I do? No. Am I going to still love them and, can, and, and engage with them? Yes, I am. But they're going to be clear what they're engaging with. They're engaging with a born-again, Bible-based believer who stands on the word of God. Well, they're going to tell me, well, we're going to let you know who we are. That's fine. Go ahead, as long as I get the same privilege and the same respect. So as we navigate this wonderful month of June, which has become what it's become, to me, this comes back to what are we looking to? I'm not looking to a tribe or to a political party or to political philosophy or to a mindset that says this should be okay. I'm not looking to being with a group of people as my identity. I'm looking to Jesus, who was lifted up on a cross as the answer and the remedy to the issues that are deep within my heart, which was sin. Joining Pride Month isn't going to take away my sin. Embracing the LGBTQI plus whatever other letters there are community isn't going to address the sin in my heart. Only following Jesus will do that. There is no other option that the children of Israel had than to look at this one snake on this one pole made by this one man. And for the people of the earth today, and has been for over 2,000 years, there is one option to look at one person who came at one time to save you and me, and his name is Jesus. And I will continue to walk the streets of Manhattan seeing these rainbow flags everywhere and just keep walking with my head held high because I believe in Jesus. I believe in him, not in the signs that he gave. So even though the rainbow was a sign from God, I'm not putting my trust in the sign or the rainbow. I'm putting my trust in the God who makes the rainbow. 
and the reason he made the rainbow. Got that out of my system. I feel better now. There's only one way. That's difficult for many people to embrace. If your car has a flat tire and the tire is destroyed, it's chewed up, you can think of all the ways in the world you want. Well, maybe if I put more air in it, the tire is chewed up. Well, maybe if I inflate it with something other than air, the tire is chewed up. Well, maybe I'll just put something other than a tire. Maybe I'll put a square box there instead of a tire. We're missing the point. The only thing that will work is a fully inflated working tire. Coming up with your own ingenuity is pointless and it's fruitless. As I've been told, there's only one true spaghetti sauce. And, it's a, and more often than not, that's made by somebody who's Italian. Or has somebody who's a friend who's Italian. We can come up with all other ideas and variations. And I'm all for expressing who you are as an individual. But my individuality is not made up just in my expression. My individuality is hidden in the cross. And that's what I look to. Jesus on the cross, lifted high. So that as the last song we sang, he can come into our hearts. He can take my life. Lord, take all of me. Because all of me is messed up. All of me is messed up. So when I look at those who are relishing in this month, it doesn't make me angry. It makes me sad. Because being lost is sad. Being deceived is sad. Embracing deception is sad. And I don't need to condemn them. They've done that themselves. And that's what the Bible teaches. But there is hope. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe what God can do, especially when we follow his ways. We believe that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Don't you believe that today? So whoever that is in your life that you're praying for, who isn't just not following the Lord, let's be clear, has gone off the deep end and isn't following, really not following the Lord. There's hope because God loved the world that he gave his only, only, one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Stand with me, please. I want to sing that last song we sang again. Come